We've been talking through uh, the book of Ephesians for a few weeks now, and in this second half of the book, we've kind of gotten into this section that deals a lot with our behavior and sort of <clears throat> the outward manifestation of Christ, of life in Christ. And I was thinking about how much uh, that women's ministry ornament exchange, thank you, Don, is just the complete antithesis of everything that we're saying. How they, 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 they covet, they covet, and, and today's passage actually talks about brawling, and if I remember correctly, a couple years ago, a fight broke out over ornaments. And so, I, you know, I, I mean, I guess that's okay. I, I think, uh, anyway, gals, I, I, I hope that's an enjoyable time for you. I'll also say this. You know, the, Cindy mentioned to bring a, orna, a tree ornament. In the past, people have brought other kinds of decorations that aren't actually ornaments, and they mock you for that. You're mocked. So there's mockery involved as well. So, so it's really, it's just, it's exactly, it's, it's like a moment in time. It's a little two-hour window where all bets are off, and they just, every, all Christian behavior goes right out the window. Stop. I'm getting out. I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I, I just, I, it is in jest. It's a lot of fun. I know the gals look forward to that every year, and, I'm, uh, you know, as long as you don't get injured, it's okay. Um, we are, uh, we are, if you have not been with us, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, last week, we're, we, it did transition. The first part of the book really dealt a lot with who we are in Christ and sort of the transformation that takes place. And then Paul transitions into the second half of the book deals more with the outward manifestation of that. So last week, we talked about the renewing of our minds and allowing the Holy Spirit to really uh, direct our thinking. And I would encourage, encourage you... Um, I don't usually say this about my own messages, but if you didn't hear that, maybe go back and listen to that because I just think mind renewal is such an important aspect of who we are in Christ. Uh, the, the Part of the text last week, so you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, your thinking. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and and holiness. As, you know, I for me when I read texts like "Be like God," it's a little daunting. It can, it can seem overwhelming. You think, "Well, God is God, and I'm not," right? Um, but but the truth is, that's exactly what we're we're called to do. And today, as we get go a little further, we'll talk more about that. But I, I'm reminded by that that um, regardless of maybe what we have come to understand over the course of our lives what we've been what we've heard in the past or or some of the beliefs that we've maybe formulated in our own thinking Christianity is not just a belief system it's not a religion it's it's a real relationship between real people and a real god that's what it is at its core it's a relationship and that relationship and and relationships change us don't they uh, and this relationship completely changes us it transforms us it leads to a new life and that's what Christianity is about. It's about a changed life. Um, God has taken something, he says, that was dead, and he's made it alive. Uh, we have a new heart, new spirit. Uh, we, have, we have a new mind, a new way of thinking. We, we have uh, a new purpose in life, a new value, a new direction. We're changed, Paul told us earlier in the text, in our innermost being, our, our spirit, our soul. The depth of who we are is changed. 
And uh, I, I just think that's a, a precious thing. You know, if, if something is alive, you, you can see it. You can tell it's alive, right? You can, you can see life. And I think new life to me is one of the most um, amazing things. New life. Uh, I, I, was, I was a gardener in my previous life, uh, and, and I, I grew up. Uh, from the age of 15 on, I worked in horticulture, and I knew a lot about plants and, and, and appreciate plants. And I, I'll never forget... I was, uh, some of you know, in, back in the dark ages, I was John Wimber's gardener. And I was at John's house one day, and it was, you know, a few times a year during the seasons, you, you replant flowers and uh, new seasonal annuals. And I was out in the yard planting flowers. And Carol, John's wife, walked out and was talking to me for a minute, and I was just planting flowers. And she, she said, like, that's just so beautiful. And I said, thanks. And she goes, yeah, it's all life. She goes, whether you pray for the sick or plant a flower, it's life. Man, I'll never forget that. It just touched me. You know, I love uh, new life. I, I remember when our kids were younger and they would plant the little bean in the styrofoam cup, you know, and uh, one of them wouldn't poke a hole in the bottom, so it would just turn to mud, and that didn't, ha- that didn't work. But the ones that remembered to poke the hole in the bottom so the water would drain, you'd watch, and that little beanstalk, you know, it, it would break the surface, and you'd just see the little green. And, and I, I mean, for me as an adult, I was always excited by that. I was always excited to, the first day and then the second day and the third day to watch that thing come out because it's new life, new life. I, all, most of us, maybe not all of us, but I'm sure just about everybody has at some point um, experienced, you know, Birth, a new birth, and and and, and you, uh, it's amazing to me every time. Every one of my kids and our grandkids and some of your kids, and, you know, you hold a new baby and you go, "This is a tiny little person that yesterday wasn't here, and now they're here." And it's just the it's just the amazing reality of new life. So you see that sometimes in a a new believer as well when a person comes to Christ, especially if you've known somebody. I had some friends in high school that I knew that, uh, you know, we're less than savory characters. Can we just put it that way? Uh, and gradually, uh, after high school, we were at, at the vineyard, and uh, it was, you know, in the area, same area where I grew up and had gone to high school. And one by one, over a period of time, I would see some of my old friends walk in the door of that church, and they had been converted. I'll never forget... Uh, Uh, a friend of mine named Danny Roop was a guy I grew up with and was kind of wild. I was walking in the door of the church one day and he was completely changed. He was a different person, a new life. And it's a remarkable thing to think about life in Christ, to think about new life. Our uh, title of our... Man. Our... Uh, Message today is vital signs. In this uh, next section in Ephesians, Paul talks a little bit about some of the indicators. You, know, you go to the doctor and they check your vital signs, right? How are you doing? Check your blood pressure, your pulse, and your oxygen levels, stuff like that. And Paul gives us some spiritual vital signs, some indicators of what 
it looks like when we take off the old and put on the new, if we're living in this new life, what does it look like? So uh, let's pray, and then we'll read our text, and I'll see what I can do to get my way through this. That's unexpected. Jesus, thanks so much. You're so good. I thank you for just the reminder of life in you today. We love you, and uh, we love your word, and we pray you would open our hearts to receive from you today. Amen. All right. This is chapter 4, beginning at verse 25, and then we're going to read through uh, chapter 5, verse 2. I'm going to read from up there because it's bigger. Uh, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ... God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We said before, I think I've told you, when there's a therefore, you want to know what it's there for. So Paul uh, begins this section by referring back to the previous section. So we talked about taking off the old putting on the new, and now what he is going to do is actually give us some specific details as to what it looks like when we take the old off and put the new on. There are, in this little passage here, I, I, at least I, there's probably more I, I picked or pulled out of there, five different vital signs, five indicators of what that new life looks like. So we, uh, we'll take uh, a couple minutes and look at each one of those in turn. Each of the five is listed Again, I, this is sort of how I broke it down. You may see it differently, but listed with a motivating factor, a reason why it's important to do that particular thing. He begins by saying, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully your neighbor. And the motivation for that is that we're all members of one body. Um, I want to suggest that there's something deeper happening here than just telling the truth versus lying. Now, obviously, I think that's, that's inherent or implicit in the text. It, it certainly means that. I think anybody that has, uh, whether you're a believer or not, any level of conscience knows that just from, from the youngest age as a child, we, we don't lie. It's, you don't lie. You tell the truth, right? And so certainly that's implied here. But I think there's more to the text than that. I, I really think at the core of what Paul's saying is, if you're alive, if, you're, if you get your life from Jesus, uh, there's truth in that. If not, you, you try to get life from other people and other things. And, and we do that so very often by putting on falsehood. We put on false pretenses or false persona. We, we pretend to be someone or something that we're not so that other people will accept us. Um, part of the beauty for me, I guess, of life in Christ is that um, he accepts me for who I am and therefore that frees me up to live in honesty and authenticity. It's, it's okay to be who I am. I come to the 
place in life where I realize that I'm the person God created me to be, and he loves me the way I am, and so it's okay to be me. And I don't have to put on falsehood. I don't have to try to be any, anything else. Um, and part of the reason for that is that we're all connected. We're all one body. So we're connected together anyway. It doesn't make sense to try to be someone I'm not or try to put on falsehood with one another because ultimately we're connected and we can't grow together if we do that. The only way I can pray for you, you can pray for me. The only way I can really care about you or you can care about me is if I know who you are. Right? Isn't that true? I mean, I, I was at the, uh, we had the men's breakfast yesterday and uh, I, I love that time. Uh, about a year ago, uh, Johnny and Bubba decided that what we would do every month to get together and somebody would just share their story. And you think, well, there's, you know, uh, there's no depth in that. I mean, where's the Bible or whatever, you know. But I'll tell you, those have been the most profound meetings. I think each month a different guy comes and opens his heart and just shares his life and puts it on the table. And you walk away going, you know, I know this person. I care about them. That helps me understand who they are as a a brother in Christ. And I find myself... um, much more able to then pray for, for, those, for those guys as each month as somebody else shares. It's been a, a fantastic time of just being honest and authentic and getting to know each other because we're all connected. We're all part of the body of Christ. And so we want to put off falsehood and really be able to be authentic and true and honest with one another. Second, the vital sign he says here is, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Motivation for that is don't give the devil a foothold. Um, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Um, and and the, the, the motivation is to not let the devil have an inroad into your life. In verse 32, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, he talks specifically about forgiving one another. <clears throat> but here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the reality. I'm just going to... Uh, here's the bad news. If, if you are alive and you're breathing air and walking around on this planet, at some point in time, you're going to get hurt. Somebody is going to say something or do something or maybe not say something or not do something that hurts your feelings. That's just the way it is. I, I don't think anyone, anywhere, anytime ever can escape that. It's just the way it is. And here's the thing. When that happens, you forgive. That's what we're called to do. It's okay. Okay, when that happens, it's okay to be hurt. It's even okay to be angry that that person hurt you. What's not okay is to harbor that and and allow it to work its way into your heart and into your life and to begin to make you bitter as a person. The old man, the old person wants payback. I want vengeance. You hurt me, I hurt you. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You say something bad to me, I'm going to go on Facebook and say something bad about you to everyone. Don't get me started. The new man says, hey, you know what? That that hurt me, what happened. And I was a little bit upset about it, but you know what? I'm going to put that off. I'm going to forgive and I'm I'm going to move on from here. Because if my life is in Christ, there's nothing that anybody can say or do or not say or not do that can take who I am away from me. My value is in Him. My purpose is in Him. And so uh, you, 
whatever hurt is inflicted upon me by someone else doesn't change my identity. It doesn't change who I am as a person. and It doesn't change how God feels about me. The basis of, of our ability to move past the hurt in our life is forgiveness. The, the, the bottom line, you know, sort of the, the basis for that is Jesus on the cross be, being brutally beaten and saying, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't understand. They don't really know what's going on. And we learn to forgive. The, um, the motivation of this is simple, but it's profound. Um, back in the day, some, some of you won't recall this, uh, a few of us do, uh, door-to-door salesmen aren't quite as common as they used to be today. Every now and then, somebody will still come to the door trying to sell something. But when I was a kid, uh, people would come to the door. There was the uh, fuller brush man, I think. Anybody remember the fuller brush man? And the vacuum cleaner guy, the Hoover vacuum cleaner guy, and a few others. And they would knock on the door and try to sell you something. And then what they would do, their sales tactic was get their foot in the door. Because if their foot's in the door, you can't close the door on them. If, if their foot's not in the door, you can just say, hey, no thanks, I'm not interested, close the door, done. But if they get their foot in the door, you can't close the door. And then it's almost impossible to get rid of them after that because they go into their whole thing and they, they, they don't let it go. And that's kind of what Paul's talking about here. When we allow hurt and anger to build up in our lives, it gives the devil that foot in the door, and it gets harder and harder to get rid of him as time goes on. Those things get bigger and bigger in our minds. I can tell you this. um, You know, we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare last week. The best way you know, to uh, fight against, uh, to stop that process and fight against the devil really is not to let him in in the first place. When you recognize those things beginning to happen in your own life, my encouragement is to put that off as quickly as you can because once you let him in and that downward spiral kind of begins, I think you find yourself in a place where it's pretty hard to break out of that. John said once, uh, you know, we, we either get bitter or better. And uh, and we continue to live in our old person and we allow the enemy to begin to tear things apart in our minds and in our lives. We get bitter. If we take that off and we put on the new self and we forgive and we move forward in Christ, we, we get better. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And the motivation here is that they may have something to share with those in need. This is a weird verse to me. Why does Paul say this? Uh, Were the Ephesians a bunch of thieves? Were they just running around stealing from each other? Um, I I think, again, here, the issue is deeper than that. Um, When the world revolves around you, when your world revolves around you and you're the center of your own universe, you take whatever you can to get what you want to make yourself feel better about who you are, don't you? Isn't that true? And uh, look, I'll, let's be honest. We've all got a little bit of that in us, okay? That's part of our fallen nature. That's part of that old man. That self-centeredness and that desire to be big and to have what I want is part of something that really lives in all of us. And you don't have to look very far to see that. Just uh, uh, look at little children. You put two 18-month-old kids together on the floor in a room with 100 toys. And one of them will pick up one toy, 
And which toy does the other one want immediately? The one that that one has. It could be 99 really cool toys. Nope, I want that one. And so what does he do? Take it. And then what does the other one do? Hit the one that took it. Uh, I mean, it's just, you watch it, you go, seriously? Seriously? It's just reality. We try to, we try to get value, uh, you know, from taking from others. Uh, and and uh, I, I want to suggest the issue here is productivity. Um, and that being productive is is an indicator, is a sign of the new life in Christ. We're created, we're created to work. We're, the, the, the very first command, if you will, or the first directive sort of from God was when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and it says he put them there to work the garden. And God created us to be productive. And when we're productive, we get value from that, and we don't have to extract value from other people to feel better about who we are. We work because we're created to work. I, I just think this is a, a, a profound understanding that sometimes is overlooked in, in, in the church today. That uh, there's an inherent value in being productive. And I'm not talking about just your job. It might or might not be your job. I hope it is. I, I, I feel like life is a lot more um, uh, enjoyable when we when we, when we like what we do and when we feel productive and feel like we're making a contribution at our place of work, I think that's a huge thing, but sometimes we don't. Uh, but there are other ways to find that. And so whether you, you know, regardless of your station in life, if you're retired and you don't work anymore, uh, if you're a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom or, or, or whatever, it's not just about your job. It's just about being productive. If you stay home all day, that's fine, but don't sit around and eat bonbons and watch Oprah all day. Do something productive that gives you purpose in life, and I think it will change your perspective and make you feel very differently because we're created to work. We really are. In Second Thessalonians, Paul says, Even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. Uh, we, we hear that among you, some among you are idle and, and disruptive, they're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And then to Timothy, he says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God's created us to work. And when we're productive, there is an inherent value that comes with that, a purpose that comes with that, that frees us from having to try to gain value and purpose from other people. We don't have to steal. I want to give you a resource. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you some books to read. I, I don't actually... Uh, there are some good books on this, but I want to give you a, another resource. There's a website called Theology of Work, and this is a really, really great um, website. It's, there's a blog there, but there's also different articles by different people. There are Bible studies and small group studies, and it just talks about the importance scripturally of work. It's, it's very, very um, enlightening and, and pretty fun to read. I would just encourage you when you have time, if you're interested at all, to uh, take a look at that. The motivation here on this particular vital sign is, is, is big. It's huge. It's huge. Um, that they may have something to share with those in need. Um, this, is, this is a complete upside-down kingdom dynamic. Okay? 
Instead of in the old man, in the old life, taking from others to get value, we now get value by being productive and having resource in our own life to bless others with. This is what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. It's, it's a complete reversal of, of the old person, the old life, uh, and it's, it's a complete kingdom dynamic. I now find value and uh, I have purpose by being able to utilize what God's given me to create resource to bless other people. Uh, I, I would say this to you today, that we are all called to ministry. Okay? We're all called to ministry. You might not be called to teach or preach. You might not be called to lead worship. Uh, but you're called to serve, to give, to love, to care for others in some capacity. And part of who we are as a church here is to help people discover what that is and to, to help them walk that out. So if you, if you don't know that or you don't know what that is for you or what that looks like for you, let's talk. Talk to somebody. Talk to a small group leader. Talk to somebody here. And, and let's, let's explore together because I, I, I really believe that our purpose in Christ really is to, to be actively engaged in caring and loving for other people because that's who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And the more that we become uh, in his image, the more that we will find that to be true in our lives. It really is a sign of new life. And it really will give you uh, a value that you ha- have not known before, uh, just in, in who you are. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I love being able to serve and give. I, I really do. You guys, uh, Cindy talked earlier about our Thanksgiving thing, and I just think it's one of the most fun days of the year to watch people carry out boxes and hand a box of food to somebody that doesn't have food and just to be able to put those together. Just, there's just something that happens in the, in the process of that, you know, and the, the gratitude that comes from people who you realize they've got this family at home and what, for whatever reason they're not being able to make ends meet and so uh, they can now have a turkey and a Thanksgiving dinner on their table that they wouldn't have had otherwise and you help them do that. It's, uh, it changes you inside. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And the motivation this time is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Um, I want to begin, begin this time with, with the, uh, bless you, bless you, with the motivation. Um, when we live in the old self, and our speech, the things we say, are, are hurtful and tear others down. It grieves the Holy Spirit. When I, if I say negative things about you, it's hurtful to you. And it might be hurtful to anybody else that hears it. It's ultimately hurtful to me, it tears unity and community down among the body. And on top of all that, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It makes the Holy Spirit of God sad when we talk in unkind ways about one another. Again, I think we, we try to get value by making ourselves big, and sometimes the only way we can think to do that is to tear other people down. 
And again, in Christ, we don't need to do that because our value is in Him. And our speech is a sign of new life. It's the motivation, when you think of it in those terms, that I, I, I say something negative about this person and it grieves the Spirit of God, should be enough to cause us to reconsider how we, how we speak about one another, try to be encouraging. You know, I, I have in my life just tried to make a point to remember, and I sometimes write myself notes or put alerts on my phone or whatever to encourage somebody just because I know that it means a lot just to say a simple thing and build somebody up and not tear somebody down. Let's uh, wrap up. We're running out of time. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, ladies. Uh, and slander. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And the motivation is just as in Christ God forgave you. Kind of a, a, a summary statement here, a comparison of the old and new. Take off these old things. We, don't, we want to get rid of bitterness, rage, anger. To actually here, brawling is really the, the Greek word refers more to um, being argumentative, arguing, than actually fighting. Um, but either way. And slandered, so take those things off. Malice, take that off. Put on, be kind and compassionate to one another, and we, we forgive each other. And again, the motivation is simple. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but our motivation in forgiveness is that Christ forgave us. I'm free to be kind and compassionate and forgiving towards you because God forgave me. Uh, you know, look, I'll admit, if nobody else will, I'm not that good of a guy, you know, but God forgave me. And so if I think about that, it makes it easier for me to forgive you. God forgave us. So it behooves us to be able to say, thank you, Jesus, and then forgive one another. The, uh, the chapter break here comes at kind of an unfortunate place, really verse three or four, depending on who you talk to, begins the next thought. But the last two uh, verses of chapter five really conclude this section. He says, therefore, follow God's, follow God's example, therefore, again, referring back, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, which has been our theme throughout this series, to learn to walk in the way of love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Again, following God's example, which, as I said in the very beginning, can be a little intimidating to think about being like God. But we are able to be like God because we're His dearly loved children. And, and we've all seen this and we've experienced this when a, a little kid admires their dad and they want to be like him and do what he does. And you know, some of us are at that point in life when you go, man, I become my father. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, in this context, that's a precious thing to be able to say, I've become like my dad. I've become more like him. I'm becoming more like him all the time. And we, we really can, because we're children of God, grow to be more like God. We really can. We have that capacity uh, in us from him. Walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of love. This uh, just final note, I'll just mention, I think this last phrase here has some theological significance that's important as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
the will of God, sometimes the, the nature of the Trinity is hard to understand, but a lot of times I've heard people say, well, if God is so loving, why would he send Jesus to die? Why would he, why would he do that to his own son? And there's this sort of idea that God forced that upon Jesus. But the reality here is it was God's will, but Jesus submitted. He was obedient to that, but he was willing to make that sacrifice on his own. It says here, he gave himself up for us. Jesus was willing to sacrifice on behalf of you and I. That was a decision he was involved in. That wasn't just foisted upon him from above. Jesus said, I'm willing to do this for you. And now he's asking us to be willing to do uh, the same thing for one another. Okay, let's stand.